some pretty complicated stuff to play. You don't have respective hands. Do I do? <laughs> you absolute trash. Having a good time. Like just enjoying myself. I was like so just so fun. The song sucks. Yep, that's true. Welcome everyone to the No Tomatoes podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I'm here with Jake Salisbury. Um, he recently graduated from CMU and he now teaches at Skyline High School in Ann Arbor, correct? Sort of. I haven't technically graduated. Like I'm done on campus, Oh. Okay. but um, yeah, no, no diploma yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> Almost though. I graduated in May technically because it's just like um, an internship. Cool. So I'm doing student teaching at that high school um, and I'm looking for a job in the area. So shout out to all of our um, Ann Arbor and Metro Detroit listeners um, on this awesome podcast. Uh, give me a job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. I would hire you if I had money to do that. <laughs> yeah, start a school. Hire yeah. me as yeah a teacher. Would love that. Right. <laughs> Goals. Yeah, now you're sideways for me because I wasn't even paying attention. But it's it's really. no big deal. But, that worked uh, better. Yeah. <laughs> so you're primarily a vocalist, correct? Yeah. Yep. Do you play any uh, other instruments? Um, I mean, yes. Like that's sort of a loaded question, I guess. Like, yeah. can I play it? Like, can I pick it up and make like a noise that isn't? hideous yeah <laughs> could i like sit down and play a song for you that may like move you artistically probably not <laughs> <laughs> um but i have a uh, i will have a degree in music education with a choral emphasis is the way that cmu uh describes it so um technically i'm going to be certified to teach any kind of music k through 12 so um and do I feel prepared to do that? No, <laughs> but um, I had to take techniques classes. So I, I know how to play a few of the string instruments, um, at least conceptually. And I can play pretty much every single reed instrument. So clarinet, saxophone, um, flute is technically a reed instrument for some reason. I've never really understood that. I don't know. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, it doesn't have a reed, but no, I guess right. it's yeah. not a anything else so that yeah. so anyway i learned how to play flute also um i was really bad at flute like i was okay i was actually okay at clarinet yeah i mean you could ask my friends i probably wasn't actually that that okay <laughs> at it but comparatively speaking to flute i was like a clarinet god and i rocked the saxophone i mean really i didn't i was just like passably fine but <laughs> the flute i just could not do it i could not do the flute which is embarrassing because i'm like a vocalist and most of it is like breath support but it was just like you have to blow on it yeah. in such like a specific way mm -hmm. and i just i couldn't do yeah, it that's supposed it would to be, be like one a playing the, test one of the harder instruments as far as like... yeah and she acted like it was so simple and other people were like oh i got it yeah <laughs> and then i would be like go to do my playing test and she'd be like can you play that up the octave and i'd be like no <laughs> i can't i'm I'd like i'll try but i can't yeah those but, are basically yeah. all instruments i have never been able to play <laughs> really i haven't really tried i i guess i did try clarinet a little bit but the clarinet mm. i have is my great grandpa's old one and it's wow. like all broken and held together by like a rubber <laughs> band <laughs> yeah 
But, and uh, clarinet tone is um interesting enough, you know, without it being in several pieces. Right. So <laughs> I can't imagine. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So I can play piano. Um, like I can play keyboard more than I would say I could play piano. I can like improvise pretty moderately um, from like a lead sheet. So I can do that. Um, and I've actually gotten compliments on that. So that's the only instrument I can like say that I could probably play besides singing but um i can make a sound at a lot of things so i have that on my resume nice special skills (laughs) yeah you were saying like do i feel prepared to go and do all this stuff i've been learning no i i feel like i'm (laughs) in the exact same boat like i just i just graduated um and i feel like i i know nothing still (laughs) yeah well and you just got a job too congratulations that's so awesome yeah thank you thank you so so are you feeling prepared for that Yes, I do feel prepared for that job, so that's good. Good. Hey, um, that's that's a step in the right direction. Yeah, <laughs> that's, for sure. Yeah, that's great. So, your your teaching job is like a a. Do you work with someone else? I, I saw on Facebook it said something about that. Um, you're teaching alongside someone. Yeah. So, um, student teaching internships are basically like you start as like an observer and you kind of work your way into a mixture of co-teaching or teaching while the actual classroom teacher like observes you. So um, I am in like my dream placement. I really, ever since I, I met this teacher at a conference at CMU my freshman year and um, we got along really well. We have a lot of the same values about life um, and then we did kind of a more formal musical interview um, before we agreed uh, to move forward with my placement. And we realized that we had a lot of really, really similar musical values as well. Um, and she's awesome. Like we've become really good friends already, which is really cool. Um, I'm about six weeks in now. Um, and yeah, we've definitely like wasted more time probably than we should just like talking about life, which is like really nice though, because it's not always that way. Most people get thrown in with someone that they've never met and just like, it's like, hope it works out for you. Bye. Um, and CMU has kind of a unique program in that we spend a full semester student teaching in the same place. A lot of colleges break it up between two placements for eight weeks, but ours is one 16 week placement. So I'm going to be with her, um, till the end of April pretty much. Um, and she's already talked to me about, staying on because they might be going back in person around that time depending on you know covid stuff so um she would like me to stay on and keep learning and working with her which is awesome like i think that just shows how how well it's going so that's great um but yeah so we we have more of a co-teaching style i would say now than um anything else like i she'll let me lead entire lessons um but there are times when just for planning's sake, like she kind of jumps in with something or like a clarifying thing. Um, but she usually like is really good about just giving me the reins and like letting me go. And if I crash and burn, then I crash and burn, which I haven't like crashed and burned yet. I would say I've crashed, but not burned maybe once or okay. twice. Um, but that's all part of the learning process. I'm yeah. trying to be, you know, give myself some grace with that. But yeah, what a, I mean, it all seems pretty easy. Like, you know how to do all this stuff yourself, but then when you try to show someone else how to do it, it makes it so much more difficult. Um, yeah. 
yeah, teaching something is the best way to know if you know it. (laughs) Absolutely. But over Zoom as well makes it a lot more complicated. I teach 100% over Zoom. So um, I've been in a basement for like six weeks now (laughs) for like eight hour teaching days. It's been crazy. Yeah, definitely. That makes it really difficult with, with anything really, but I mean with music specifically too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I was just finishing up a reflection because we have to turn in weekly uh, reflections to, um, the education department that sponsors our internship at CMU. And basically every week in some aspect I'm writing, like, I feel like this would be going differently and I would be farther along or like focusing on more advanced techniques if I wasn't like constantly like trying to adapt my entire teaching style to a classroom in zoom where I can only see two students because the rest of them don't have their cameras on. (laughs) And so I'm like, okay, everyone here's Doe, sing Doe with me. And then I get nothing. Can't hear if anyone is singing Doe. And I'm like, okay, Doe, Ray, me. Okay, great. You're doing awesome. Let's keep going. And everyone's like, we're not here. Yeah. (laughs) So there's no formative assessment. There's no, like, I have no idea if they're learning anything or not. I just kind of have to like, not overthink it and jump in and just teach anyway and then ask them to give me a percentage in the chat 20 minutes later about how they feel like they're doing yeah. <laughs> so huh. it's it's an adventure definitely so switching gears a little bit where did you like it's a little bit more personal but where did you like grow up and how did your love for music start wow yeah hit me with the personal i love that um Well, I grew up in uh, a rural town called Eaton Rapids, which is right outside of Lansing, like 20 minutes south of Lansing. Um, And not like a super musical artistic community. Um, (laughs) Like most people who uh, are born there, like don't ever leave that area. Hmm. Um, Like, I don't think anyone in my family has left my hometown for more than a few years. Um, and now everyone in my immediate family lives within an hour of there. Um, including like my parents who have like literally never left other than like living in Lansing for two years or something. So um, it's kind of like its own little snow globe world. And it's kind of like 20 years behind in a lot of ways, which I think is pretty typical of small towns mm-hmm. in America. It's just like really weird environment. Yeah. Um, so that was like weird for me um because like i know this is a podcast but also people watch the video version right so like you can see me in my room and like hear me talking and just assume that like i you know i was not necessarily born to live in a small rural american town (laughs) (laughs) not like super my vibe um yeah but uh that being said uh the community was overall really supportive of um of the arts like at our schools at our public schools um at least as much as they could be it was a really low income community Mm -hmm. um like my family was like fairly low income i mean nothing extreme but um we were in some like precarious financial situations when i was little at least um and even as things got better um as i got older 
I mean, the people in our town that were considered like rich were like people that just had like normal houses and normal um, financial situations because most of the community was like between low income and like living in almost poverty Um, in a, in a rural sense, most people lived outside of town um, in like farms, like on farms or in like ranch houses on a dirt road. So um, it was interesting, but. Uh Oh, I think we're good. Sweet. Sorry. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome back to my channel. <laughs> Chaos ensues. That's right. So you were talking about your life at home. My life. Oof. Um, yes. So basically, um, I, I was really supported by some amazing teachers in our district, in the public school district that I, uh, that I attended that was in Eaton Rapids. Um, and they really did their best to help us create art, like music and theater that was like really meaningful. Um, which was something that like, it was hard for us to even understand, you know, being from a place where a lot of people's vision of life is just kind of like surviving. And a lot of people's like taste in art is really um, kind of like um, simple and based purely on what they've been exposed to, which is very little because they, you know, a lot of the people in our, the town that I grew up, like never went to college. My dad never went to college. Um, and so th- that was, it was just like whatever they heard on the radio was the music they liked. And there right. wasn't a lot of like exposure to new stuff or exposure to the classics or um, not that I'm like a huge fan of all the like old white men music, but <laughs> still, I mean, you learn a lot from it and it teaches you to appreciate music, yeah. you know? So um, our choir program was, it wasn't like huge and it wasn't excellent, but it was really fun. And that was like where I found community and safety, um, and friends and like all of the girls that I dated in high school were like <laughs> choir girls, like every, like my whole life was just like in choir. Same. Um, and, <laughs> to be and, and, yeah, <laughs> I mean, you get in there and then you can't, you can't escape, you know, yeah. they like, they, they trap you, but not in a bad way in like a good way. Yeah. <laughs> um, and theater too. Um, mm-hmm. I actually got into choir. I got into music from being in theater. Like I started with theater and then, um, my freshman year, they did the sound of music and they were like, well, you can act, but you literally can't sing. So let's give you the only speaking role with no singing. So I had to play, um, a, I had to play a Nazi general that was like hunting the Von Trapp family in the mountains. (laughs) So I would say that was the biggest stretch for me as an actor uh, in my career. Um, but yeah, that was interesting. Um, and then that got me, that got the choir teacher kind of following me around. Like, why don't you learn how to sing? Like, let's do this. Like, and I was like, okay, whatever. And then I was obsessed and, um, went to all these state honors choirs and got more and more involved in choir. And eventually it was like, I think I want to like do music forever somehow. And here we are. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, so 
I, I guess that kind of leads into my next question is when, when did you become interested before like that transition? When did you become interested in teaching or like after that transition? That's the interesting part is I have always wanted to be a teacher. Like it, I kind of went back and forth on it because I mean, if you ask a lot of teachers in the public school, like you tell them like, I want to be a teacher. They're like, don't which yeah. kind of sucks yeah. <laughs> like that kind of sucks especially because like those are the people you idolize like everybody has a teacher mm-hmm. from some point in their life that they can be like that teacher made an impact on me even if it's not like that teacher was my best friend for some people that's true like for me that's true i a couple of my old high school teachers the the drama director and the choir teacher and one of my English teachers who was also helping with theater are like three of my really good friends and like colleagues now that I'm not a student anymore. Um, But even if they just had like a minimal impact, everybody knows of a teacher who had an impact on them, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, it sucks that the situation in our country for educators is so like just kind of, dismal sometimes like just the pay is not good the support is not there and it's a crazy job where so much is asked of you and so little support is given Mm -hmm. um and i'm a huge i'm a huge advocate for um like educational political reform like that's a huge area of interest for me and kind of uh an avenue that i definitely see my career going down if i don't stay in the classroom forever which i don't know that i will um, I really like to be involved at like a higher level in educational politics because it's something that kind of like fuels this fire <laughs> inside me that like, it's just, there's no reason for things to be this bad yeah. for teachers and it's not, it's not fair. And I think that for me, it started when I was little, just thinking it would be fun to be a teacher. Like I, I used to make my mom like sit at this like TV tray in my room and I like put her name on like a sticky note and like put it on the desk. And then I would like make assignment worksheets on the computer and print them out and like give them to her and be like class is starting do your homework and i was like five years old Um, so (laughs) shout out to my mom for dealing with that (laughs) it was like probably super obnoxious but um and that kind of grew into um i don't know almost this feeling like i wanted to prove that i could do something that a lot of people were like yeah don't do this you're not going to be happy and i was like I don't know if you know what's going to make me happy. Like, I think I know that. Um, And I know where they were coming from because it's a really hard job. But Mm -hmm. even just in the past few weeks, like it's definitely, if not like the thing I spend my whole life doing, it's definitely a thing that I'm really thankful to be doing now and that it's going to permanently impact who I am. And it's something that I really am enjoying. So Mm -hmm. I'm cool with that for now. I'm trying not to, think too far ahead especially in the current <laughs> in the current global climate so right. yeah i was really lucky um to have people that supported me in being a musician just in general <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah um, i didn't really have too many people say hey you shouldn't do that you're not ever going to make any money which is kind of true but also like <laughs> right yeah um, i'm glad that i was encouraged to do what i love so yeah, absolutely. I think that that is so important, even if, and even if people are, are worried, like if, if they're worried about you because they care about you and they're trying to tell you, like, I just don't want you to be unhappy. 
it's just really i mean that's a whole nother conversation you know about like why america thinks that like money equals happiness yeah but um that's something that's always been at odds with with art you know because art is not or it, in my opinion it should not be about the money i mean yeah as an artist you need to make money but i think to create beautiful art you have to kind of do that with money as the last thing on your mind um or i don't know that it's as genuine as it could be like you need to make money and that's great but if all of your art begins to be motivated only by making money like you've kind of just become another cog in the wheel of capitalism which yeah. again is like a whole other conversation right. that's like you know a but, lot of modern artists with these record labels just get caught up with record oh labels and they're all like oh, i'm just gonna make started. trash albums because i have yes to. yeah like i mean i know we're here to talk about like music education right but i think even like in that there is a whole conversation to be had in like the state of american music today there is this interesting like dichotomy almost that i that i see that's happening alongside like this huge rift in our culture that's happened um like two huge extremes of like these belief systems that like can't even agree on the truth let alone on some kind of a compromise about how to live life but I see that in music too, because I think just in the past few years, and especially, I think it's been exacerbated by the pandemic because um, in the past few years, so much of the music that comes out is like just so shallow. And it's like someone obviously just put this into like advanced editing software, created a drum beat, wrote lyrics about a club. Mm. And then we're like, okay, like, let's just throw like some random female artist that we're like forcing to sing music that she doesn't care about on here and then like move on. Mm. And I just think that's become such a problematic trend in the industry. And, and the people like the artists, the singers and the musicians that are creating these things, like I know that they try to make meaning out of it and that some of it, even things that people think are like shallow or, or like really over the top or, whatever i mean everyone has different opinions and i don't think all the music that's created today is like garbage but i think that there are some albums out there that are just so shallow it's like what was even the point yeah. like so many bands are just selling out to the industry and so many people are dropping singles just for the sake of making money and like following the algorithms of social media and that sucks because there's also music that is like pushing the boundaries of anything that we've ever experienced because we have the technology to create things we've never heard before. Mm -hmm. And like artists are evolving in ways that we haven't seen before. And all of that is happening on one side. And then the other side, we have this like commercial music industry that's like sucking the life out of art. Yeah. And there's so much overlap there. I don't know. It's complicated, but I definitely feel that. I think that it's a really, it's like frustrating to listen to the radio and hear like, hear somebody like um i'm just trying to think of like a good example um i mean like like i think for me i think of like hosier like somebody who's who's known for like one song that got really popular but his music is insane like so phenomenal like if if you have not listened to all of uh i think it's just called like i think his album is called hosier his first album his self-titled album if you have not listened to that 
do yourself a literal favor this evening, whenever you're listening to this, anyone out there in the world, like listen to that album, the lyricism and the mu- like the musicianship will like change your life. Oh my God. Like so good. And, um, yeah. And then on the other side we have like, I don't know. I don't want to call out like artists by name that I think are shallow. I don't know if I don't want to like cause, <laughs> I don't want to cause any like drama for your podcast, but, um, I think it's complicated too, because artists get signed to labels and they're just forced to do things they don't want to do. I mean, we've seen that over and over yep. with like Taylor Swift and, um, Britney Spears and, mm-hmm. um, and Kesha, like Kesha was a huge one. And then there's so much abuse and neglect and, um, manipulation that goes on and, um, and then they finally get out of it and then they create these amazing things like, so anyway, that's a whole conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you'll use sure. any of that, but yeah. I, uh, I think it's fascinating. Yeah. That's definitely a conversation to be had. We might have it on a, a future episode more in depth. Good, yeah. <laughs> call me back. Call me back always for like a pop culture music review. I <laughs> yeah. love it. I think it's so interesting. Nice. My next question, um, I know you're not actually technically graduated, but you're on the cusp. So, um, I am. What were like some of your favorite memories from college? <laughs> like so many of them that just came to my head are like probably not things I should share <laughs> on like a podcast that will be broadcast publicly. Yeah, I feel um, that. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I I actually had like a pretty a pretty like wholesome college experience overall. Like I would say most of my favorite memories um were like probably made sober um not all but like most um and my college experience has i'm ready so we were talking about your uh your college experience yes um yeah i think i was saying that college has been absolutely crazy for me um the only reason I was able to go to a four-year university was because I got this really great scholarship offer from the honors program at Central. Um, so uh, I've never been more grateful for anything because I would not have been able to afford, like my family couldn't have afforded to send me to a four-year university without it. And the only way to get a degree in music is to go to a four-year university, basically. Um, so that was awesome. And so I had a lot of connections to the honors program because they had a lot of requirements for the scholarship, like that we live in the honors dorm and do all these activities. And I, I had a capstone project that I had to finish as a senior for them. Um, and <clears throat> so I made a lot of friends uh, through that, that I had kind of at the beginning of my college career. And then um, just a lot of stuff happened, <laughs> like so many insane, like I have so many stories um good and like absolutely awful um of just crazy things that happened that happened at school and just in my life and a lot of those people ended up kind of kind of falling uh falling out of my life for various reasons and um I ended up finding like the best friends I could ever ask for and that was that has been a huge defining part of the end of my college experience um most of my favorite memories from college are like with these people, even though I only met them like a year or two ago. So, um, 
I'm trying to think. I think. Um, I I guess one of my one of my top memories has got to be when I was able to study abroad for, um, uh, like a month. We stayed in this town in Italy, um, in the mountains just south of Tuscany. Um, this little town called Urbania, and it was like this little like this ancient little village like in this valley, and. Um, we studied Italian every morning and then every afternoon we went to this like old monastery that was literally a thousand years old that was outside of town and it was being revamped into like an artist's workspace, um, like a bunch of studios and like rooms for artists to stay in. Um, and we rehearsed there. I took voice lessons with a professor from Central that ended up becoming my voice professor, one of my really um, like most beloved mentors. Uh, that was where I met him and started working with him. Um, and just had like the craziest times, like just even like the walk from our apartment to the monastery was like over this bridge in this like mountain river. And it was just absolutely beautiful. And there was just like so much wine and so much like food and it was so good and so many adventures, um, and really beautiful, beautiful things. Um, and um yeah <laughs> it was just really really awesome yeah that sounds great it was cool That's um cool. and uh and i learned so much and i made i got like a lot closer with with some people that ended up being some of my some of my best friends they still are some of my best friends um and and going there with music people was an interesting experience too because it wasn't like like i think normal study abroad people basically just go to like get trashed in another country yeah. and like you know right. we were all of we were all of age over there so like obviously we did that but like yeah. um for us it was so much more about like experiencing life over there and experiencing like music and mm -hmm. um just like being like pretentious little college musicians <laughs> so it was like it was cool um and um I've got to say another one of my favorite memories was always like, like Halloween is by far my favorite holiday. Like the week of Halloween, I have a different costume every day. Like I am the most excessive person just in general. So Halloween is like borders on problematic. Like I cannot be asked. I can't be told anything the week of Halloween. Like you cannot tell me a thing. <laughs> it's like so much. And <laughs> It always culminates with the Rocky Horror Picture Show at mm. the theater downtown in Mount Pleasant. Nice. Um, and I've won the costume contest every year. Um, unfortunately, we can't show all of you beautiful listeners any photos from that because I'm currently going to be teaching in the public schools and the photos are NSFW because <laughs> um, there's just a lot of my legs. And, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, we just like, you know, the goal is to wear revealing clothing and scream a lot and that is exactly what i did and it was great nice. um <laughs> i kind of just tried to take every wild opportunity i could and so many of them were not like not like wild as in like questionable illegal behavior wild like somebody was like do you want to be in this short film and i was like yeah what the heck and then i was in a short film and somebody mm -hmm. was like why don't you audition for this musical and i was like yeah what the heck and then i was in a musical and why don't you go to italy and i was like what the heck and then i went to italy so <laughs> I just had a, I had an amazing college experience mostly because I didn't say no to anything, which ended up also being kind of problematic for my mental health. And we've kind of learned since then that that's 
an important skill to have, especially as a musician, because everyone's going to ask you to oh, do yeah. things all the time. Yeah, You've and for free too. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Also, getting paid for your labor is something yeah. that you that no one tells you and that you learn quickly is important. Yeah. Um, so, um, but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't do anything differently. It taught me so much, but I would caution people to take every opportunity that they can because it will make the best experience of your life but also like do that while like learning what your boundaries are and realizing like saying no is actually great like it's really great to tell people no because they respect you more and you respect you more and you don't like turn into this like puddle of an exhausted human that like can't really do their best which sucks for everyone so yeah i would I would recommend both of those things in tandem, but definitely not one or the other. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So I've actually, believe it or not, my phone is at like 3% right now and we probably should wrap it oh up God. anyways. <laughs> yeah, no worries. But, uh, yeah. So what was like the, I got like two more questions. What was the most important thing you learned, um, in college or throughout your life in general? Wow. Um, that's a great question. Makes me wonder if I learned anything, you know, (laughs) you pay all this money and do you actually learn anything? Um, I feel like probably my, the best thing I could say for that would be, um, if I've learned anything from life, it is that nobody is ever going to sit you down and tell you that you deserve to prioritize your happiness over anything else. Like obviously like treating people with love is important and, and, and doing something that contributes significantly to like the world and that makes it a more like equitable, just place for people and creates like leaves behind a place that's better than what you were born into like all of that is really important but people will tell you that no one will ever sit down and tell you that like you deserve to be happy and so if what you're doing isn't making you happy even if it's getting you you know towards a goal like if you're working yourself to death and that's not necessarily making you happy but it's getting you towards a goal then maybe it's okay to still do it, but consider what you could be doing to make yourself happy. You know, no one ever told me that like my happiness should be like a priority. And so I just never assumed that until I realized I was so unhappy in the middle of doing all the things that I thought would make me the most happy, like singing and college and music and traveling and all these things. And I wasn't happy. I was miserable. And I realized that was because I was not taking care of my own happiness and not like investigating how that was changing and how the things that were that made me happy were changing. Hmm. Um, so just realizing that your own happiness is nobody else's priority, but your own. And so it should be your top priority, like your own happiness and your fulfillment with your life should be your own priority, even if that changes or becomes at odds with what you're currently doing. Um, so I guess no one will say you don't tell you that except me right now. i'm sitting everyone down and telling them that i think that's something that i wish someone had told me earlier because i think i would have avoided a lot of unnecessary discomfort in life nice i like that that's good yeah so 
uh, final question. If you had, or okay, I guess that's a two part question. Would you say you have okay. a life mission? And if so, um, if you had to summarize it into one sentence to tell like the entire world, um, what would you what would you say? Wow. Um, I actually feel like I don't know if you've seen the movie Soul, the new Disney movie. Have you seen I, that movie? I did. I actually just watched it. Dude, that movie changed my life. So first of all, <laughs> we could do a whole future episode on that. Call me up if you ever want to talk about soul changing your life and giving you an existential crisis. <laughs> um, but that movie made me realize that I have put so much pressure on myself for such a long time to fulfill my like one purpose. And there is no one purpose. Like your one purpose is to be a person on the planet and like yeah. love and be grateful for life. And I was like, oh my God, what have I been? doing like, whatever i'm like 23 it's gonna be fine <laughs> but uh me the drama queen that i am obviously overreacted at first but i think that that is really true so i i think that i definitely have like a calling but i don't think that i have like one career or one like life goal that like i need to achieve this specific um professional thing or personal thing um i'm trying to think of that differently now so i feel like if i had to sum it up it would just be that I've always felt really driven to connect with people in a way that facilitates conversations sort of like this, like creating a space for people to grow and realize that the world would be a better place if everyone just acted with love and that about a fear. And so learning how to, how to, become educated on the things that scare you and the things that you don't understand um and just kind of creating an environment for for everyone that i come into contact with to become the best versions of themselves um so i i just kind of think that my calling in life in general no matter what combination of things i end up doing to get there is that um I just want to make sure that people, the people that aren't seen feel seen and the people that need to do the seeing are like learning, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and to just kind of champion that message of like positivity and, and growth and, um, and like a better life, like a vision for a better life for, everybody can like as many people as i can i guess so i would say probably that and i think that comes through a lot of avenues through education through music like making music together through creating through just talking to people um through me like treating myself with love and investigating the things that make me happy as like an example to people um so yeah um and recently just to shout it out i have started like a a little bit of like an Instagram blog um, where I'm kind of trying to investigate this idea of like unraveling um, all of the things that hold us back and trying to like hold each other accountable in a loving way, just by like giving each other support um, through like this crazy time and on into life as um, you know, most of my people that follow it are just my friends in their twenties, but I'm just trying to like spread as much positivity and also honesty about my experience as somebody with, like mental health issues and as a queer person um and as a future teacher like so many groups of people that i think need to be advocated for um so that is on instagram 
and it is at portrait of a young rat. Um, so go follow that <laughs> if you'd like somebody uh, to send you a tune every day and also to trying to give you content about all of the various artistic stuff I get up to and also some, some positivity and some holding each other lovingly accountable for being kind to ourselves. Yeah. So that can be our recommendation, actually. So you said that was uh, on Instagram at... It's at portrait of a young rat. Okay. <laughs> at portrait um, of a young rat. <laughs> yeah, and there's an under, there's underscores in there okay. between everything. Gotcha. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah, so um, thanks, everybody, for watching. And Jake actually has a quote to leave us with before we wrap it up. Yeah, I do. I can't quote this perfectly because... Um, I should have rehearsed more. Sorry, everyone. Well, that's, that's, I, <laughs> um, I can quote it pretty well, though. And it is one of my favorite quotes. Uh, it's from uh, the book, The Perks of Being a Wallflower um, by Stephen Chbosky. And it is a classic. Movie, movie great, is also a classic. Yeah, great movie book. is so good. Um, but I've always really resonated with that story for a lot of reasons. Um, mostly just because it's about having no idea where your life is going and who you are because you're too young to know that, but just realizing that the purpose of life is to live it, you know, um, and be present. And my, my favorite quote from that book is um, kind of the segment near the end where he talks about like someday everything we're doing is just going to be old photographs and we're all going to be parents or we're all going to be career professionals. And um, this is all going to just feel like it was a lifetime ago, but right now, this is happening and right now this is what we have and living in that moment makes you infinite so that's not the quote but that's basically the idea of the quote yeah um and i love that idea of like living in the moment and doing your best to be to be present and to live life so that is what i will leave you with uh words that are not mine for you tonight (laughs) (laughs) this is a good paraphrase i liked it thank you (laughs) All right. Thanks, everybody, uh, for watching. Thanks, Jake, for being on the podcast. We're going to now yeah, transition. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, we're going to transition into the debrief section. So. All right, guys. Thank you so much for watching the No Tomatoes podcast or listening if you're on a listening-only platform. Um, I hope you all learned something from this podcast or enjoyed listening to it, and I just hope you have a great rest of your week.